Well, good morning, Mighty Overcomers. You still winning? Is it more fun than losing? I've met people I think they love to lose. Like I, my dad said, he said, he show me a loser, show me a man who, who's, eat, who's comfortable losing, I'll show you a loser. Uh-oh. Oh. Let's see, I got to figure out where that's in my notes here. <laughs> I don't think it was that. <laughs> Lift your iPad up just a little bit, honey, will you? Actually. As he said, I'm Roger, and this is my bride, Lenny. Why don't you tell them a little bit how we met? Just, just said Okay. They <laughs> think we were in grade school when they met. Oh, well, first of does my mic on? Okay. Uh, first of all, I have to say it's such an honor to be able to speak yes, to you all. Yes, what a delight. You. Yes, it thank you, Pastor. so amazing. Um, but this isn't really my wheelhouse, so you guys have got to all be my small group. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's where we start. <laughs> yeah, start with small group. Okay, I think they're going to put on the thing a uh, picture of our wedding. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Notice how mature he looks. <laughs> that was the beginning of this journey that we're going to try to share with you a little bit of it today. It was very hard to narrow down pertinent, pertinent things because there's so many after 63 years of marriage. Yeah. A lot of times people ask me the very first thing when we are just kind of chatting and getting acquainted, how did you meet him? <laughs> well, uh, I was just a kid in California living my life, and I decided to go visit my sister, who lived in Miles City, Montana. And um, while I was there, she convinced me that I needed to stay there for the year and go to school. And so where I met Roger was in her kitchen, because um, they had just delivered a freezer, and that's how we met. And from there, it's just history. <laughs> <laughs> As she said, we've been married 63 years. We have four children, two here with us and two in heaven. Of which, Seven, my, of which I might add, I got I remember we got to be able to interrupt. You do. Uh, our son and his wife love, are here tonight, this, this morning, and that's awesome. <laughs> you told me I could do that. Okay. <laughs> interrupt, that is. <laughs> But we've got seven grandchildren, and we just found out we're having our, our ninth great-grandchild. Uh, very exciting. We got to go see three of them uh, in California last week that we hadn't even seen yet, and that was awesome to hug their necks <laughs> and love on them. We married for better or worse, and it got worse immediately. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> we had two businesses in Miles City, and Eisenhower decided to tighten the money up, and we went into a recession that was far worse than the 2008. 
we couldn't finance any of our paper. We had a construction company. We couldn't finance our, finance, our homes or our appliances. And we went broke. I mean, broke, broke. <laughs> we were so broke, poor people felt sorry for us. <laughs> we do understand the homeless journey that we see people in because we were truly homeless. Yes. <laughs> It took a while to get a job, $65 a week, net. <laughs> and we, can't, we had a mountain of debt that we brought with us from Montana. So that means I had to have two jobs. Where do we and go? Where do we go? And at this time had two children. We saw each other briefly. <laughs> Needless to say, our, our relationship was rather challenged. But we came to an agreement. Listen, this is important. Choices. You have to choose. We chose to never, never, ever, ever give up. You said, well, did you ever fight? Come on, you got a strong-willed Norwegian and a fiery... Irish lady. <laughs> we would fight just because it was fun. <laughs> uh, oh, my. Something that I learned many years ago, relationships that brought you together are not the relationships that will hold you together. You see, the relationship that brought you together is wrapped around the emotional, it's wrapped around the sexual. And if you try to carry that over into the re relationship that's going to hold you together, it isn't going to hold because you're living for the high that you had when you were going together. And sometimes, oftentimes, we see marriages last four or five years and for whatever reason, they just seem to fall apart. More likely than not, they never trans transferred over into a relationship that you had to do problem solving in. Wow. Wow. Okay, are you with me? Yeah. Yeah. Take a look at your relationship. Have you made the transition? One of the biggest challenges, we went to retreats, studied, read books, listened to people. But we had a chance to go to a seminar dealing with communication. And I thought, this is so cool because we get away from the kids for the whole weekend. Yay, praise <laughs> God. And little did I know it's going to be life-altering. Because in that, one of the sessions they had is, this is my mask. And we had to sit down and write a letter to our mates saying, this is my mask, and this is who I really am. But you see, I really wasn't comfortable in my own skin. 
and I looked at that and I thought, the moment of reality has come. I'm going to have to be honest. And I wrote her a four-page letter. And when I walked to the room where she was at, I, it was almost like, like a funeral dirge. I thought, <laughs> well, I'll try to figure out something, how to, how to get back, get my clothes and whatever. Because the minute she reads this, she's going to say, yeah, that's the guy. I thought you were. So I brought it in with fear and trepidation, gave it to her. She started to read it. She started to cry. I thought, oh boy, oh boy. I'll just sneak out the door here because it's over. Dude, it is over. And she told me something that I never have forgotten. She said, don't you realize the guy I married is the guy that you just explained to me who you are? I've been waiting for 15 years for you to come in to, to the real person that you really are. You said, oh, I don't have a mask. You're lying. <laughs> Here's the thing that's concerning. If you have a mask before you're made who you dearly love and you're not afraid to stand naked in front of, come on, are you with me? Okay. What are you going to do with God? Because more, it, could it be, maybe the reason our prayers aren't being answered is because the real us aren't going to God. We're sending the guy with a mask. Oh, I'm talking to preach, forgive me. I get carried away here. <laughs> I have to say the things that I learned at that conference, I was shocked. I'm thinking, oh, does he really feel that bad? What have I said or done? But God just showed me that the things that he needs are respect. He needs uh, to know that I trust him, which I was trying to share with him. <laughs> yes. And that he is my hero. And that was life-changing. It was, life -changing. yes, absolutely. Yeah. I need to hear a little bit about our daughter. Okay. This is the hard part. <laughs> and the only reason it's the hard part is because I don't want you guys to feel sad. But uh, along about in the 10 years, we had our fourth child, <clears throat> Shelly. And at three months old, we discovered that she had cystic fibrosis. And she did pass away from that cystic fibrosis. Um, the thing that was so awesome, uh, or prevalent, I should say, is in those days, of course, I still had three young children. Uh, Eric, who is here tonight, was only two years old, maybe two and a half years old at the time. So, I mean, I got pretty busy, you know, trying to take care of them and the whole thing. But in the process of all that, crammed down, way down. Well, I, would, I did a brilliant thing. We came home from the funeral I remember standing in the kitchen, I said, well, the Lord taketh, giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Everything back to normal tomorrow. <laughs> Funny, I'm glad I don't really remember that. <laughs> <laughs> he said it, I'm sure. <laughs> if he said he said it, but I'm, 
it went over my head. But what I discovered seven months later began having depression. And, and it wasn't because I was thinking about that. It was just not wanting to get out of bed and not wanting to do anything. I mean, it was just there. And so I finally went to the doctor, just my OB doctor, and I said, you know, I don't know what's wrong. I, yeah. And he said, Lenny, the problem you have is that you have never allowed yourself any grief. You have never allowed yourself to emotionally grieve. And in our culture, a lot of people don't do that because we're North American, you know, whatever. Go to South America and it's, uh, they do away. <laughs> So, in, in saying that, he said, you need to go home and beat the pillow, get mad, and make yourself cry. Notice she said the pillow, not... <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, that, that was kind of how I got through it. And a note to you ladies, if you ever have a situation where you have lost a, a baby... A, a child in utero, uh, or even an abortion, don't just hold it in. Seek help. There are so many groups, support groups, and different things that you can, because you have to talk about it. You have to get it out. You have to even get mad at God. The doctor said, you know, I get mad at, I know you're a Christian, but you can be mad at God. <laughs> and I was like, I can, <laughs> but you do need to verbalize it and let it out, okay? Then, um, just to go through all of this part, a few years later, our 16-year-old son was uh, killed in a car accident. And at that point, of course, we knew a whole lot more, this was several years later, about God and the Holy Spirit and the Comforter. And, you know, we had been digging and pressing in. And um, it was a, a whole different way of dealing with it. There's a long story. I won't do that. But all the miraculous things God did in the midst of all that. Um, but we did keep everything verbal on the table. By this time, we had teenagers and all of us, we tried to um, have opportunity to express what we were going through and getting through. And God so miraculously just um, changed our life. Changed our life from there because that was really the point where everything turned around. One of the things that we tried to do with, with Craig is give plenty of room to... Grieve, because we, the Bible says we do not grieve as those that have no hope, but it doesn't say we don't grieve. We do grieve. But we found out something before this happened that was very helpful for us. Grief out of control invites a spirit. And you see people that are going to the graveyard five, six, seven years later, they're still having birthday parties for their loved one. They never close the grave. That's so good. You've got to watch that. We, what we did 
we set up specific time periods that we would grieve. And when it was over, then we would stop. Now, we just went over a two-year period. I, I would be teaching, I'd be doing a presentation or something, and all of a sudden this wave of grief would just kind of wash over you, and you just, you, you couldn't do anything about it. And they'd say, oh, well, we'll reschedule. I said, no, just give me a couple of minutes here. This thing will pass. It just, it kind of catches you unaware, un totally blindsides you. But you have to have room to grieve. But we don't grieve that those like those that have no hope. Yes. One of the things that we came to the point, we couldn't understand how <clears throat> the enemy got past our covering and got to our son. We had a choice. We could get bitter or we could get better. And I remember standing in the front room about a month, maybe two months after Craig had died. And I said, Lenny, I said, I tell you what, I'm not, this is, this is going to stop here and now. I'm going to find out who I am in Christ. I'm going to study. I'm going to find out how I can take down the enemy, what his weak spots are. I'm going to cause him misery on every hand. And not only that. I'll tell anybody who will stop long enough to listen how to be an overcomer. Amen. One of the things that we failed to mention two weeks after to the day that we buried our son, Craig, Eric was crossing the street in front of our house and a car hit him, flipped him up and dropped him through the windshield. He got banged up and cut up a little bit, but he didn't get seriously hurt. We realized the enemy was out after our children because they, he, he could see ahead of what was going to happen. And he's got to slow you down. Come on, are you with me? Yeah. So you go to the, on the defense and you just become the 200-pound canary looking for the kitty cat. Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. <laughs> We got up at 4 o'clock in the morning and consumed the word. Remember when the cassette tape? No, you probably don't. Most of you are too old, too young. <laughs> but they used to have a little tape. <laughs> About an hour long. <clears throat> and what was nice is you could duplicate it real easily. And there's always some pigeon that had a duplicator. So somebody would buy a set of tapes, teaching tapes, and we'd immediately, you know... Hand around, everybody had to duplicate them. So we had sacks full of tapes that I was listening to, not only when I was home, but I was traveling around quite a bit for the corporation. I was listening, reading books, talking to people, anything I could find to find out how the enemy operates because we're stopping him. He's not getting our children. And I got to tell you, Eric has been in so many car accidents in a couple of three months after that that what he would do is end up apologizing to the guy. I haven't been with you. You probably hadn't have had your car, the car accident because the enemy's out to take down my dad and he, what he's doing, he's trying to get it through me. <laughs> Isn't that a hoot? Yeah. <laughs> and 
It was through all of that that God opened doors for ministry and we began doing all kinds of ministry, but eventually we started Church of Living Water. And um, that was really quite an experience. Oh, especially with, when our children helping us. Yeah, our children, like your children, Eric and, Steph, yes. Eric and Steph both jumped in. They were married by then, and they were starting their own not families. To, not to each other. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, our daughter, Steph, is in California with her five grandchildren and um, our great-grandkids. So it's, you know, it's kind of torn between the two places, but we keep in touch online. <laughs> Some of the things that we learned that we want to pass on to you. <clears throat> One of the most powerful weapons that you have is words. They either bless or curse, build up or tear down, comfort or crush. <clears throat> and one of the things that most of us don't understand is there's no humor in the spirit realm. You've got to stop and realize the, the spirit realm is absolute. It either is or it isn't. It's either a blessing or a cursing. And you say, make some snide remark or some cutting remark or whatever else, and then you say, ha, 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 I was joking. In the spirit realm, it isn't registered as a joke. It's registered as an eternal word that's going to live forever and can come back and haunt that person indefinitely. Your words. So watch what your words with your children are because yes. they do stay long forever. We're talking about our masks. If you want to take your mask down, Start rearranging your words. Because if you're wanting to take it, if you want to get rid of it, start talking positively about yourself. Hardest thing for me to do is get over, get, get finished saying, you dummy, you always, you always mess up. You're saying all these negative things that were doing nothing to uplift my character. Come on, are you with me here? I had to learn to speak. I'm blessed. Things I would say is, I don't care how you throw me, I land on my feet. Take your best shot, sucker, because when I get up, it's my turn. <laughs> so doing ministry was very exciting. <laughs> Once a spoken word is once a word is spoken, it can't be brought back. And I imagine if I would sit down with each one of you and I say, "Do you remember when you were a child when somebody said something painful?" If you don't deal with it, that's that's a tool for the enemy to get a recording in your ear to play that over and over and over. And there comes a time where sometimes you need someone to stand with you and break the power of the words that have been said over you so you can have a normal life. Listen to this, Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life in the power of the tongue, and those that love it, what's it? Death and life will eat of its fruit. What fruit? Death or life? Choose life, the Bible says, that you and your seed may live. 
Why would you want to choose death, words of death, when God is giving you the word of life? James 3.16, for where there is envy and strife, oh my, strife is words. What does it say here? There is confusion and every evil thing, not a few evil things. Say it with me, what? I can't hear you. You want to get confusion out of your house? Let, let, me, let me turn it around. Now you know when confusion comes in your house, there's got to be some house cleaning here. Where have we allowed the enemy to take our words and have authority to come in with confusion into my house? Let the words in my mouth, you know this one, don't you? Say it with me. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight, O oh God. Do you know what the word congruent means? Any math people around here? It means two alike, two identical. What David is trying to say here in the psalm, he says, make sure your heart and your mouth are congruent. Why? For out of the heart. Yeah. You want to know what's in a man's heart? Get him mad. <laughs> Let's see how he deals with anger. Oh, am I stepping on too many toes here? No, if we're going to have a relationship, I've got to be healed and whole sufficiently that when I get mad, I don't get out of control. Somebody told me, well, I just, you just don't understand. No. You know what the Lord did to me? This is his sense of humor. He promoted me, moved me to Bakersfield, and they said, we're going to give you 17 accounts. I said, oh, that's wonderful. That's, that's, that'll be an easy deal. He said... Well, Ron, it's not going to be that easy for you. He said, these are 17 people that we have irritated. They hate us. <laughs> and your job is to turn them around. Wow. Wow. Now, I, if somebody gets mad at me, I like to get mad. Matter of fact, when I was a kid, you get mad at me, I'd just hit you. I just <laughs> solve this thing real fast. You know? I had to sit there and let these people chew me up year after year, telling me what I, my company is such a loser and such. I'm sitting there grinning like a dog eating a gumdrop saying, <laughs> I tell them, I said, you know, there's going to be a day you and I are going to have be friends and we're going to go out to lunch and enjoy our company. And I kept telling them, kept telling them that I was there for nine years. Guess what? I had 17 close friends. Why? Because I got mad didn't mean I had to. Because they got mad doesn't mean I have to. 
in your relationship, there's got to be one sane one. <laughs> to find conclusion to what needs to be done. Come on, are you with me? You say, well, don't, do you have that problem? Yeah, we, we were fighting the other day. It was so funny. <laughs> we, I don't remember where we were at. We were, we were, away, from, we were away from the house. We were at some, some kind of a function, and there's about a 14, 15-year-old kid there. It was one of these yamming type fights. No, 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 no. Only it's quiet. Nobody around knows it except this kid. And she looks at Lenny and she looks at me and she said, are you two fighting? <laughs> we said, yeah. <laughs> that takes us to our 50th anniversary. You want to put up? Oh, there you go. Yeah. Wait, can I talk about forgiveness? No. I don't know that we, how much time do we have left? I don't know. Ten minutes? Nine minutes. Okay, well, you better do this because you're going to do the other. Okay. Our anniversary picture. Go ahead and put it up real quick. Because this, I just wanted to say that, um, that they asked me one question. This is all my grandkids except one. He was off at a military thing. But they always ask, have you ever considered divorce? And I looked at him and I said, divorce, no, murder, yes. <laughs> and then I just want to share one thing about moving into the 80s, 80s, <laughs> moving into the 80s and being being diagnosed with the symptoms of Parkinson's disease, we, again, have gone back to our first decision. We have chosen to never, 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 never give up and do what we've always done, and that is minister from the heart and this heart. <laughs> Amen. Heart. Okay. Let me regress just a little bit. There's one thing that the Holy Spirit awakened me about 1 o'clock this morning. And he said, Raj, there's one thing you need to add to the list, which we didn't get to everything in here. And that is praying in tongues. The greatest weapon that the enemy has no defense against is praying in tongues. And I would say this, if you have a mate that you're having struggles with, pray over the place where they sleep. Pray over the place where they sit. Play over their favorite chair. Yes. Sit there and pray in tongues. How long do you pray in tongues? Until you get an answer. But I don't speak in tongues. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to have a prayer group up here. And it's going to take them about five minutes to introduce you to the Holy Spirit. Turn the Holy Spirit loose. And if you'll work with them, give them a little bit of breath and a little bit of voice. You'll have a prayer language, too. And you can pray by the hour in your prayer language. And I'll tell you what, you can pray over your children in, 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 in tongues. You can pray over your job, your finances, whatever the case may be. Because somehow 
the Holy Spirit knows how to take that analog information, reformat it, because he knows the mind of the Father, and he gets in there, it's a perfect, it's a perfect request. That brings change. Thank you, Matt. Oh, no, Matt. I have a, something I want to share with you that's quite exciting on Friday. Unexpectedly, we get a call from a man who lives over in Amsterdam. He's one of my sons in the faith. Called out of the blue, and we're sitting there talking, and I just happened to mention to him, I said, we're going to be teaching on Sunday morning. Would you just keep us in prayer? And that's how we didn't say what we're going to do anything else. And he did. He began to pray over us, and then he began to prophesy. And he said, wait a minute. He said, I'm seeing something. He said, I'm seeing glue. Glue coming down over you and over the whole congregation. And so I took some time and I got before the Holy Spirit and I said, what does this mean? I don't want to be presumptuous. And he said, if you will extend this over the congregation, I'm going to bring some healing into relationships and there's going to be a new glue that's going to hold you together. Are you with me? So if you would like to get some new glue, some heavenly glue, just put your hands out. I'm going to pray for you. Father, thank you. Thank you for relationships. Thank you for our our own relationships. But Father, there's much needed here. So we call for your glorious power to be released to release the glue of heaven, to come down and saturate not only the people in this room, but the people that attend the church, the people that are involved in the internet, Father. Do a miraculous thing that brings healing and wholeness and strength and health because this church, this house, is going to be a house free of divorce. We declare it so in the name of the Most High God. Amen. If you know us, we deal in delegate. What, what is it? I went blank. I'm going to say deliverance. Say it loud. Deliverance. De- no, no, no. We got the screen. <laughs> deliverance. Decree. Decree. Decrees. Decrees, decrees. Great, honk, woman, you almost got me messed up here. Like I said, this is not our will, my wheelhouse. Okay, okay, here we go. I got a, we got a decree for you. I I plagiarized this. (laughs) Being honest here. (laughs) And I modified it because I think it fits so well. We'd like for all of you... Can you read it on the screen sufficiently? This is going to be your decree as a couple. Will you say this with me? Or as an individual. Even though our our relationship may be surrounded by oppressors, we are never smothered or crushed by them. Our relationship may seem that there is no way out, 
but we will still not be driven to despair, even though we may be pursued, persecuted, and hard-driven, God will never desert us or make us stand alone. Even though our relationship may be stuck down in the ground, we will never be struck out or destroyed. No matter what difficulty or obstacles may come your way, we will never, never, ever, 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 ever quit. Ever. We will not faint in the time of adversity because God is with us. We choose to be strong and very courageous. We are persistent and undaunted in our faith. We will never quit. We will never yield to failure. We are steadfast and unmovable in our commitment to each other. We are valiant and fearless, determined and resolute in our relationship. We will not lose heart. We will not weaken, nor will we give up. We are mighty overcomers through Christ who loved us. Amen. Amen. Now, if you took a picture of that, you and your husband should go at least once a day. Set that because it's based on scripture. And it has incredible power. And it focuses you together that you're never, what? Never, never, ever, ever, ever quit. The one, the one thing that we shared with our grandson, Patrick, that came here that just got married and moved to Montana to finish college is as they left our house the very last time we saw him, just remember, never, ever, 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 ever give up. Because that was the most important. He got all kind, they got all kinds of counseling and training, but if you give up on it, it doesn't help. So you gotta never just determine not to give up. One last thing I'd like to do is this house is a house, as we said, where divorce is not gonna be known. People are gonna come here, and I fully believe there's gonna be a supernatural healing of the relationship just by coming here. Come on, are you with me? Why? We got a God who does incredible things if we put our confidence in Him, in Him alone. Many of you have come from families where divorce was very prevalent or has divorce. And one of the things that we have learned is when divorce comes into the picture, there's a spirit that's released in the lineage of the, of the people that passed down to you through them, though you're perfectly innocent, but it has authority based on the decision somebody made, a poor decision back then when they gave up. And that introduces the spirit to come in and hammer on your relationship. And generally speaking, they'll say, if your mom and daddy divorced, more likely than not, you will. Why? Because that spirit gets a wedge in between you and won't let go. But I have good news for you. We're going to break that sucker right here, right now, right here. Amen. So if that's you, would you stand, please?
Meisters. Father, thank you for the power that raised Jesus from the dead that dwells in us. Thank you that you've given us authority over the enemy. In the powerful name of Jesus, I come against the spirit of divorce. And Holy Spirit, we're asking you to come and touch every one of these that are standing and take your holy scissors and cut off the power and the authority that divorce has over them. Father, like you cut the strings off a puppet. Free them in the name of Jesus now. Be free from the curse. Be free. From, the, from what happened from the decisions of your forefathers and their relationship and come into a fullness and a completeness that you will survive and you will survive in great success. Why? Because you're an overcomer through Christ who loves you. Amen? Amen. Amen.